0: You are listening to episode 191 of This Is Type 1. Today, we're talking about how to meal prep on a busy schedule.
1: All right. So meal prep can be really stressful. I will say I've done it. I've been there. I know where you're going through. Especially if you're first getting started and it can be really overwhelming if you feel like you don't have the time to do any of it because you feel like you don't have time to cook. what I have time to cook in advance? Well, today we're going to be talking about how to meal prep, what meal prepping is, and how you can make it work for you instead of you working for it. So what is meal prepping? Meal prepping can be a lot of things to a lot of different people depending on who you talk to. Like for bodybuilders and lifters, they might be prepping their food to reach a certain amount of macros, micros, carbs, just really minute super science stuff that they want their bodies to do instead of for their goals, like their lifting goals, or if they're going into a body building competition where you like pose like the Arnold, like people, you might think of that when you think of meal prepping and like, they have to eat so many carbs or so many yams and they only eat chicken and rice. Well, yeah, that's partially true. But at the same time, you can also do that with meals you like, where... So that's just one example. But for another example, college kids need a sense of structure. And that comes out of meal prepping. And that's what I do it for. And to also save time so I can get more homework done with the limited amount of time that I have it like during the day. And then for parents, my mom used to do this too, is that they got to spend more time with us kids rather than having to stress about cooking or like having to cut up vegetables and cooking and doing like try to make three different types of foods for different kids. So if you can like prep things in advance... Great. Perfect. And meal prepping can be different too for different people. So meal prepping can be like just cutting up your vegetables on a Sunday, cutting up everything for like the next week, and then just putting it in a pot and going when you're ready. Or it can be like actually cooking your meals in bulk and then just eating them when you're hungry and taking them on the go, which is what I do personally, is I tend to make anywhere between 8 to 12-ish meals all at once in bulk at the same time of like two or three things. And then I just eat those throughout the week. I can put them in Tupperware and use them when I'm hungry, just grab it and like go to the gym, go back to the library and study more. Or for me, part of it is that I do my daily breakfast when I know what I want, when I want it, and I don't have time to like sit down, make myself eggs, and get out the door. Or even when I get home at nine o'clock at night and I just need something to eat really fast so I can go to bed which surprisingly does happen more times than not during the week. So yeah, it just helps. But I know 10 and 12 meals sounds like a lot, but there's just two different types of meals that I usually do. It's like chicken and a side. And usually it's the same two things for like three days in a row. And then overnight oats, which I do for breakfast. And then lunches are kind of up in the air, depending on like what I'm doing that day. Or if I know I'm going to be doing something, I can just grab something on campus and just eat. But I cook just about five times a week when I need to for like lunches and everything, but yeah, so let's get into some of the benefits of doing meal prep and kind of what more so of what you can get out of it rather than everybody just telling you that you can grab your meals and go so a lot of it comes down to saving time during the week, or at least for me personally. People on average spend about sixty seven minutes a day cooking in their kitchens. And if you look at the article in our show notes, they say that somebody can roughly spend about four hundred hours a year in their kitchens, cooking, cleaning, meal prepping, like four hundred hours. That's a lot of time. I know it sounds like just oh, it's just about an hour a day, you know, stuff like that, but still, that's a long time to be spending on cooking when you could be doing other things with your life, and I'm saying cooking's bad, cooking is awesome, I love it, but to save some time in other places and do other things, you know, if that's what you're more interested in, this can be a huge time saver for you. 400 hours a year is a lot of time. So with that being said, I spend about two hours in my kitchen on Sunday nights, meal prepping 10 to 12 meals throughout my week, which usually gets me until Thursday. Instead of spending five hours a week or five to seven hours a week, just in my kitchen alone, trying to make meals every single day. So I'm saving myself right around, I don't even know, like five five or seven hours minus two. I'm saving myself three to five hours, depending on what I'm doing. So then there's the aspect of saving money out of it when you're going grocery shopping. And I have to think about this because I'm a college kid and I do budget and everything. So to save money, you actually know what you're going to eat before you even go to the grocery store. So you just go in, get the things and get out instead of guessing and checking, oh, do I need this? Do I need more of this? And I don't really know what I'm going to make this week. So why don't I get a little bit of everything? And then all of your food goes bad because you don't know what you're doing. And then you end up buying more than what you actually need. Then they're done that. It's not fun. So, even when you're not budgeting, though, it still saves you money because you know exactly what you're going in for, exactly what you're buying, and you know exactly what you're eating and where your money's going. And it's a lot easier to buy in bulk, like your ingredients in bulk, like at Costco, instead of doing DoorDash, which costs $20 for a single meal to get there. That's a lot of money. Like if you're DoorDashing like three times a week, that's like 60 bucks on food. I spend 60 bucks on all of my food maybe every week and a half, or usually once a week. That's a lot of money that's being saved right there. Another benefit is from decision fatigue, which Colleen will talk a little bit more about, which is when you're spending more time to make and effort to make smaller decisions. That kind of takes away from making bigger ones. And Colleen, do you want to kind of elaborate on that?
0: Yeah, so decision fatigue is when your brain is really tired after having made too many decisions throughout the day. I think we only have capacity to make a certain percent or like a certain number of decisions every single day. And as type one diabetics, we have already allocated a specific percentage of those decisions to managing type one diabetes. So from the get go, we have fewer decisions available to us to make decisions about the rest of our day. There's something called spoon theory. And this is where I'm getting this uh, idea of like, we have a set number of decisions. But spoon theory talks about how we all have a certain number of spoons when we wake up. And those spoons represent our energy. And everything we do, everything we have to make a decision on, every like brain power thing, we are giving away a spoon. And so people with type 1 diabetes and other chronic conditions and other things, maybe even like brain injuries, we have fewer spoons than everybody else. Because that percentage of spoons is going toward that chronic condition. And so we want to basically manage our spoons and be able to make good decisions ahead of time so that we're not getting to the end of the day. And we have run out of spoons to make good decisions with. And you're not going to have the same number of spoons every day. You might wake up one day and just feel like you have less energy overall. And so your number of spoons already is lower. And so we want to be able to pay attention to our bodies and pay attention to those signals so that we don't accidentally do too much and then end up way too drained after the day is over. So in terms of meal prepping and doing it on a busy schedule, when we're talking about decision fatigue, this is what happens. It's like if you don't meal prep or you don't take care of yourself in advance, if you are planning to make a healthy dinner, but you had a really crappy day at work and you got cut off in traffic and your kids are screaming at you when you get home, by the time you get there to the point where you're supposed to make dinner... You've already made way too many decisions, and it's just less taxing on your brain to go order takeout or to get DoorDash than it is to go through the effort of making that dinner, even though you had good intentions to do it when you woke up that morning. And it's a lot easier to make that DoorDash decision if you didn't meal prep in advance for that healthy dinner. So some ways to manage decision fatigue is, first of all, to have a plan in advance for acceptable foods. And so these are just rules that you set for yourself about what kinds of food you are basically allowed to have. And it can be from the store. It can be from restaurants. If you just have, make make for yourself a list of foods, list of, like a list of foods or a list of recipes or a list of meals that you can get that are easy to make from the store. Maybe it's a prepackaged salad. Or if you're, um, if you have like a favorite restaurant that you know what their menu is and you know what you like on that menu and you know what you like on that menu that is good for you, Then you can put that on your list of things so that if you get home and you don't have enough spoons to make the dinner, then what you can do is look through that list of of meals and options that you've already curated for yourself and make the conscious decision to I'm going to order DoorDash from Cafe Rio for this salad because I've had it before. I know how to bolus for it. I know basically all of that stuff already. And the decision is basically made for you already. And I call this make, uh, doing your future self favors. So if, if you take the time when you're in a good mental space to sit down and make that list or to meal prep or to plan out your whole week of food or to even just 24 hours in advance, plan your meals for the next day, that is doing your future self a favor. So the, the example that came to mind for me this morning was when I was washing the cat's bowls, I also washed the pot that I knew I would need to make my chili for today. And so by the time I actually got to the point of making my chili, the pot was already clean because future past me had consciously was like, Oh, I know I'm gonna have to use this later. So let's wash this now. So I don't have to wash it then. And then I won't have to like, be upsetting with myself for not having washed it before because I already knew I was going to use it. So why not just do it then and then I got to make the chili and not have to worry about washing it ahead of time because it was already done. So I did my future self a favor by washing that dish. Other things that you can do as favors for your future self are like dishing things out, putting them into Tupperware containers, bagging things up. So I remember when I was actually going into work, like at an office, I would prepackage my snacks or I would prepackage like nuts or whatever into little baggies and then put them on the shelf in the closet so that all I would have to do is grab a bag off of the shelf and put it in my lunchbox and I would be good to go. That's meal prepping. That's meal planning in advance and doing your future self favors by by making it easier for yourself in the moment. Other options are to consider different ways of eating, like OMAD, which stands for one meal a day. That's kind of where I am now is if my meal is big enough and hearty enough and I pay attention to my hunger signals enough, then I don't have to eat more than once a day. And that can be a really big time saver and also... I don't have to make dinner, which is saves me lots of spoons every day if I don't have to make dinner. You can also do uh, intermittent fasting. So that is, uh, you can listen to um, our podcast episodes on intermittent fasting, and we can link to all of those in the show notes. Other ways of managing decision fatigue are like Jesse already said what this whole episode is about meal prepping, planning your meals, even if it's just a day in advance, writing it down, knowing what you have on your plan to eat, and then just following through with that takes away a lot of the decisions you need to make in the moment. You can also learn how to pay attention to your hunger signals and only eat when you're actually hungry. There's a, a weight loss coach out there who I'm I'm in her group. Her name is Corinne Crabtree. She is the no BS co- uh, like weight loss coach for women, and she has two questions that she wants all of her clients to ask themselves when they're going to eat. The first one is am i hungry? And if you're not hungry, shocker, don't eat. <laughs> and then the second question is have i had enough? And if you aren't used to how your body feels when you have enough, an easy way to do this is to stop halfway through your meal for like 10 minutes and then at the, at the end of those 10 minutes, if you're still hungry, finish your meal. If you're not still hungry, go another 10 minutes, see how long it takes your body to to catch up with how hungry you are. So those are some tips on on that. And the last one is to not eat mindlessly. And I think a lot of us do this. I think when we eat mindlessly, we're actually dulling how like mentally clear we are. Because your body has to work to process all of that food. And when it's working to process all that food, especially if you didn't need the food to begin with, it was just mindless eating, then your brain is not working at in top condition. And so like, if you're going into like Jesse is probably test season, then you want to be at your best mentally. And you're not going to get that way if you have a Twix bar right before your test, because then your body is going to be flooded from the sugar, but also processing that food and not being at, at like top condition to, to deal with that kind of stuff.
1: So that's decision fatigue. And then getting back to like some of the benefits, the, I say the best one for last is knowing your carbs before you have the bowls for them. So this is something really cool about meal prepping, or at least the way that I do it, where I like make all of my meals all at once for the week, is that I know exactly when I get home how much I have to like, hey, I can bolus this on my way home because I know exactly what I'm going to eat, exactly where my food is. And there's a sense of security in that. And then my sugars are pretty much on track for like how my night's going to go. So definitely considering that, meal prepping, or at least for me, is the way to go. So how do I meal prep? I do it a really simple way that a lot of people won't tell you that you can do it this way because they're like, oh, you have to do more complicated. Like, you should get this book and it'll tell you how to do this and that. So for me, I get four containers out for one meal. My overnight oats. I measure my oats out in every single me- in, in every single container. I've put in my honey. I put in a little brown sugar for just flavor, my almond milk, my chia seeds, peanut butter, my protein powder. I do that for four times. That gets me from Monday morning to Thursday morning for breakfast when I'm getting out the door and I can eat it on the go. I can eat it at home if I have time. It's Right there is already four or five meals that I've made myself for the rest of the week. And that's how I do most of it. So I'll cook like a whole thing of chicken or I'll do salmon or any type of meat and like a side of some sort. So like last week it was three bean salad and you just portion it out. So you make more than you think you'll need. And then you just portion it out for like four or five days. And then there you go. you've made enough food for dinners from Monday to Thursday or Friday, so when it comes to that and then just putting the lids on and putting in the fridge, it's so simple. you just the only hard part right now is just having the space for it in my fridge all at once, but then again, I can always do the same kind of thing for an hour, maybe two on Wednesday night, and then I've got more meals for the rest of the week that lasts me usually from like saturday or even till sunday again when i don't have to meal prep again so all in all you're saving yourself multiple hours time energy from decision fatigue for diabetes sake like you're saving yourself a lot of heartache from doing meal prepping
0: so that reminded me of two things the first one is when i was in college i used to make mason jar salads yeah, ahead of time. And it was like you put quinoa on the bottom, you put all like the heavy, like dense stuff in the bottom of the, of the thing. And then you put all the lettuce at the top so that it doesn't get soaked and all nasty before you actually eat it. So that really helped. And then apparently I forgot that second thing. If I remember the second thing, I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> but I promise I had two things. But in any case, now it is your turn to think about the ways that you can meal prep, even if it's in baby steps, things that make it simple for you. And then go do it. Test it out and let us know how it goes in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com slash community. I can't wait to see you there.